0: Please open your Bibles to Romans 16. After a a long list of of greetings to the saints in Rome, uh, we're going to see now some greetings from the saints in Corinth, where uh, we believe Paul's writing from. And and he is not only uh, giving thanks for the uh, friends that we have in the gospel, but, uh, but he's also acknowledging that we have some enemies as well, and we need to be wise and aware of, uh, of what the nature of the battle is. So let's stand in honor of God's word. I'm going to read verses 17 through 23. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you. So do Lucius, and Jason, and Sosipater, my kinsmen. I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, who is host to me and to the whole church, greets you. Erastus, the city treasurer, and our brother Cortus greet you. Father, we thank you for these greetings, and we thank you for this warning. We pray that you would make us wise, to what is evil and innocent with regard to goodness, and Lord, that you would get glory in your people, that you would find much in us to rejoice over, just as we find much in Jesus uh, to rejoice over. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> um, so let's let's talk about how there are enemies of the gospel. And, uh, and also we want to be uh, aware of the friends that we have in this battle and the fight that we have. Um, and, and I think it's important that we recognize uh, that the, the, those who are susceptible uh, to the enemies of the gospel are those who Paul classifies as naive. So what does it mean to be wise? What does it mean to be innocent? How can we not be uh, naive? And so as you look at verse 17, Paul's appealing to us to watch out uh, for those who cause divisions and create obstacles. And in the next verse, he talks about their strategy, that by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naïve. So uh, these are very real uh, risks. These are very real um, uh, dangers that we've got to, as Paul describes, watch out for. uh, Because these enemies are going to cause divisions. I don't know what church has not experienced some nature of division in the course of its life. Uh, It's something that every church has to watch out for. Uh, They create obstacles. Uh, These these enemies are going to create obstacles to the sound doctrine that we've been taught. Uh, And they will deceive the naive. Um, Paul uses this language to watch out for, meaning that you and I need to be aware uh, that these things are there. Uh, we're not to be like. Uh, well, let me put it this way. Uh, my neighbor came over. Uh, he was um, he was doing some yard work around his house, and he's got these little rocks or stone uh, stone um, landscaping stones around his house, and he was pulling weeds or something. And he comes over to me, and he's got you know the big eyes kind of thing, and he says, uh, "Essen, uh, I just found a black widow." And this was, uh, there's the spider that, that he saw. Um, he killed it, but uh, you can see that red hourglass shape, right? Um, and we, I, I got all excited. He was scared, but I'm like, hey, this is really cool. So we're looking all around his uh, landscaping stones, and we found three black widows. Um, and the thing is, once you knew what to look for, they were, they were easy to find because they have a sort of a telltale webbing. It's not the nice circular patterned spider web that we're accustomed to. It's sort of just this, I don't know, um, randomness to it. And uh, and once you knew what the spider web looked like, you could tell where the black widows were. We found three. And then I've been out jogging and I'll, or walking the dog and I passed by another house and I can see the same kind of web, you know, right around their, their mailbox. And I talked to them yesterday and I said, hey uh, I think you guys have black widows. And my neighbor went like, what are you talking about? You're weird. Uh, and um, and we went down to the mailbox. I said, no, come and look. And I lifted up the little um, stone that was there, and sure enough, you know, the little spider scurried away. So um, watch out. And if you're not watching out, if you're not vigilant, uh, you, you never know what kind of nasty, what kind of darkest nastiness uh, is the Latin. Um, is, is lurking around you. Uh, we were at Natural Bridge a couple of weeks ago, and um, just enjoying a beautiful, sunny day, Kathy and Lydia and I. Natural Bridge is beautiful. It's the first time I've actually ever been there. I'm almost 47 years old, and I've lived all but three years of my life in Virginia. Finally got around to going to Natural Bridge. So it's beautiful, right? You see that little stone wall that we're standing beside? Guess what's in the stone wall? That was lurking just on the other side of the stone wall. So um, it's fine, it's not poisonous, it's not gonna hurt you or kill you. Uh, but they're all over the place. So, this was, that was, that was Lydia's reaction, and that was Kathy's reaction after seeing the snake. And they were everywhere. So, literally, we saw like a dozen snakes uh, in addition to all the cool stuff in Natural Bridge. So, yeah, those are snakes right there. Uh, Uh, And by the way, we saw this guy, so he's kind of scary, too. Uh, If you don't, you know, you you don't see the snakes if you're not looking for them. They're on the other side of the wall, or they're kind of hanging out underneath these rocks and stuff. But if you're watching out, if you're vigilant, yeah, you know what to look for. And you can see sort of the danger uh, before you're, uh, well, before it takes advantage of you. why do we need to be vigilant in the church? I mean, what is there to, what is there to be vigilant of? Why should we watch out? I mean, is, is Paul just sort of being alarmist here? Is he, you know, crying wolf one too many times or whatever? Well, maybe it'd be good for us to listen to Jesus, <clears throat> who says things like, hey, watch out. Uh, beware the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Uh, meaning that there are real enemies of the gospel, real enemies of the church uh, who want to twist uh, the doctrine of grace and uh, want to put law over top of it and who want to persecute the church. Uh, Jesus says, be on your guard, which is kind of like watch out, right? Um, Be on your guard, for you will be delivered over to councils. They will beat you in the synagogues. Uh, There is uh, a real enemy uh, to our faith. Jesus says, watch out for um, false Christs and false prophets. They will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect. But be on guard. Be on guard against uh, the false Christs and false prophets. Also, um, Jesus says things like, take care and be on your guard. Watch out against all covetousness. Beware of, like, loving money, because that's a very real danger uh, to our soul as well, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his, <clears throat> of his possessions. So why do we need to be vigilant? I mean, are there any real risks? Yes. Paul's not being alarmist. He's being real. Uh, he's echoing Jesus, uh, his master and ours, uh, and so what is the enemy's strategy? How, what should we be watching out for? You know, what's the, what's the telltale cobweb, uh, so to speak? Well, we know that Satan is the original sort of smooth talker, and Paul warns us against those who, through smooth talk and flattery, um, will try to deceive us. Uh, and Satan used those strategies way back you know, as the original smooth talker, which prompted the original sin of Adam and Eve. And how, I mean, his smooth talk was, uh, you know, appealing to uh, their desires, right? Hey, um, that that fruit sure looks good. Um, did, uh, did God really say that this is going to be bad for you? He's sort of smoothing over his twistedness. Uh, flattering them and appealing to their desire to be like God, knowing good uh, from evil, and then just going right for the jugular and and just outright deception. You will not surely die if you eat from the, the tree that's forbidden. Uh, so you, you can see a strategy right right from the beginning. And what's um, what's fascinating is Paul. You know, most people believe Paul's got Genesis three in mind as he's even writing this warning to the Romans. Why? Well, because of that message, he says, "Hey, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet." Um, God's promise to Adam and Eve when He cursed the serpent in Genesis three was that, you know, you will, um, that the serpent, Satan, will strike you know, the seed of the woman on the heel, but he will uh, crush your head, you know, is, is the imagery there. Um, Paul's very aware of the victory that we have as guaranteed through the gospel, but he doesn't want us to be lazy about um, the, the risks and the dangers that there are to our faith. Um, that, hey, we've got to be vigilant. We need to watch out. Um, We don't only mean to be naive. Those who are going to fall prey uh, to flattery, to smooth talk, to deception are those who are naive. Instead, Paul says you should be, as verse 19 puts it, I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. Um, That there really is a battle. There is such a thing as evil, there is such a thing as goodness. Richard Lovelace says that all who attempt for a single day to lead a life that's centered on God and his kingdom will discover that they have a battle on their hands. Uh, and anybody that looks at you like you're crazy, like, you know, hey, I think you might have a black widow by your mailbox, and they look at you like, what planet are you from? I think there's a real battle going on. I think there's truly spiritual forces of evil at work in this world. And there really is black and there really is white and there really is truth and there really is lies and and so on. And people look at you like you're crazy. Well, they're they're trying to ignore the battle. But it's real. Why does Paul promise that God will soon crush Satan under your feet unless there is a, a war going on? Unless there's something... Uh, nefarious that's happening around them, uh, otherwise it would just be like, well, why do we need to make this promise? Um, so what's normative for the church is this kind of this battle. Uh, the world, on the one hand, was going to say, hey, just be, be happy with yourself, be happy with the world as it is, no big deal, you know, sort of like, um, blessed are the, the conformists. Uh, Blessed are those who just follow their hearts. Uh, Blessed are those who are colorblind and just see everything in shades of gray. There's no black and there's no white. And and that's that's the gospel of this world. There's no battle. There's no no real evil. You don't have to worry. And instead, the gospel of the kingdom of God uh, says, hey, you need to not be happy with who you are and how this world is. Instead, your happiness comes from becoming made new, and your happiness rests not in this world but in the world to come. It doesn't mean there aren't gifts to be enjoyed here this side of heaven, but uh, we're not to come under the illusion that this world, as it is right now, is our home. We have a different home. We're aliens here. There's a battle that's raging around us. And, um, you know, elsewhere in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul said, uh, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. So grow up, don't be naive, be mature. Uh, And a lot of this has to do with the doctrine that you have been taught, as Paul describes it in verse 17. The way to not be naive is to know and embrace and be rooted in, as Paul describes it, the doctrine that you've been taught, so that we can avoid those who, through smooth talk and flattery, are trying to put obstacles in the way of of every doctrine that you've been taught. So we need to watch out for these things that not only are you know, the, the smooth talk and the flattery. Uh, but a lot of times what, need, what we have to be uh, mature about is knowing it's not so much what's, what's spoken that will get us into trouble um, if we're not paying attention, but we need to be watchful and vigilant actually for what's not said. Most of the time it's what's not said that is what's false. Um, so Paul's reminding them of the doctrine that you've been taught what have the Romans been taught? I mean, it's been 16 chapters of teaching. Uh, and Paul, even in, in this greeting, is, is very candid about the existence of uh, a ancient, intelligent, evil entity, Satan. Uh, and a lot of times, a lot of churches, a lot of preachers, they'll just, they don't even talk about Satan. They, they just think that's sort of old-fashioned or maybe antiquated or superstitious, but we're sophisticated now, we don't need to believe in Satan. That's just sort of this personification of what's bad. Well, no, he's, he's a being, uh, as the Bible describes him, as Jesus encountered him, as Paul warns about him. Uh, C.S. Lewis in his screw tape letters, you know that um, little letter where it's, it's one devil corresponding with another devil, fascinating to read. Uh, Lewis in his prologue says, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devil's one is to believe in their existence. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. And I think maturity means that we're, as Ann Boscamp uh, put it, recognizing that yes, Satan is a lion, but he's a lion uh, looking to devour somebody who's on a leash. Um, he's on the prowl, but he's he's still under the control and the sovereignty of our good God. But yeah, there's there's a real entity called Satan. Uh, you've been taught about that. Um, some preachers, is, uh, as we're thinking about being mindful of what's not spoken, we need to beware of preaching and teaching and churches where they don't ever talk about God's sovereignty. They don't even use the P word, predestination. And yet, Paul, in, verses, in chapters 9, 10, and 11, speaks very candidly about God's sovereignty. He even talks about predestination and election. Uh, these are things that are in the Bible, but through smooth talk and flattery uh, and, and deception even, um, it's easy to encounter whole churches, whole denominations that just say, no, we don't even want to talk about that. Other things that Paul is candid about is things like sin. Some churches, some preachers, some pastors, you'll never hear about even sins. Um, You won't hear about warnings against things like uh, pornography. You won't hear warnings against things like racism. You won't hear warnings against things like covetousness and greed. You won't hear warnings against things like adultery and addiction and and so on. Uh, You won't hear about God's attitude towards sin. That God actually cares about whether or not we um, are pure and faithful or whether we uh, you know, give in to all of our desires and lusts. God actually is angry about sin. There actually is a just uh, relationship between uh, what is righteous and, uh, and punishment of what's evil. Uh, there is such a thing as hell. Jesus spoke not just about heaven, but he also spoke about hell. And in some contexts, some churches, you never even hear about eternal consequences. And, that's, and being naive means that you're just not even aware that that's not being taught. Because you're not aware of what's in Romans. You're not aware of what's in the rest of the New Testament or in the Old Testament. I, I, when, when I was in seminary, uh, we thought we were going to wait to have kids Until after uh, graduating and, you know, going to the first church, whatever. Well, in the first semester of our first year down there, um, surprise, we're pregnant with Rachel. Uh, Which was wonderful, but it created a little bit of a crisis uh, in our lives because we're like, all right, we know God's called us to seminary and uh, he's called uh, Kathy to, you know, stay home with our babies. And so now what? Where's the income going to come from? So I took a part-time youth ministry job at a, at like a very, very large downtown uh, church that had a good reputation um, and some, some really neat people were attending there. But for the two years I was a youth pastor there, I never once heard the pastor talk about um, justification or the atonement. Uh, and those are words that if you're new to the church and new to the Bible uh, can definitely sound religious, right? The word atonement is literally it's uh, it's the word itself was invented to describe what justification does what the gospel does because what sin does is it it separates us in our relationship with god and what the gospel does is it it restores the at oneness that we were designed to have with god at oneness atonement at onement And you'll never hear the fact that God sent his son to die on a cross for our sins. To justify those who put their faith in him. So that they can be reconciled to God who formerly was, we were his enemies and and he was our enemy. And we are now one because of what Jesus did. I, I, I was there for two years, and I I heard, I heard you need Jesus. I heard life is better with Jesus. And I heard lots of things about Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. But I might as well have been hearing about Buddha. You need Buddha. Life is better with Buddha. Buddha has some really great things to say and to teach you. But Buddha didn't die on a cross for our sins, um, but I never would have known that. So it's not uncommon, actually, that you go to some churches, some um, uh, some teachers, some preachers, and it's not so much what they are teaching that's wrong, it's what they're not teaching that keeps the people naive. I've even been to churches where I, I sat through the whole worship service, and it wasn't until the benediction, I, I, yeah, the very end of the service that I even heard the name Jesus. And some of you are, you know, like, yeah, I know, and I've been out there, and it's a barren land, Thankfully there are some very healthy churches in our community, but I'm here to tell you not all of them are. Not every church is alike, you can't assume. And you've gotta gotta pay attention, you've gotta be mature, you've gotta be vigilant, you've gotta watch out. And it's not even so much as what they are saying, it's what they're not saying. And Paul says that you and I have gotta be wary, we've gotta know the doctrine that we've been taught. As Paul says in Romans three, this beautiful summary of what does it mean to believe the gospel? That Jesus died for our sins to justify us, so that it's just as if we've never sinned, so that we can be at one with the God who formerly we were separated from. And Paul says, "Now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there's no distinction. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So as we continue uh, to go into God's word, as we're wrapping up Romans, we're going to move on to the Psalms this summer. I don't want us to be ignorant of the teaching that God has delivered to us, and I don't want us to be naive. Um, And if you don't want to be uh, pray, to smooth talk, to flattery, to deception, you and I have got to continue to mature and know what's in the Bible. Because we have friends in the fight who can help us, uh, I love how it's not just all about this doom and gloom uh, at the end of Romans, Paul's got a fair warning and that needs to be heeded, but he's also reminding us that uh, there's, a, there's a lot of joy in the gospel and we have fellowship. Uh, as we walk together in verse um, 19, Paul says, "For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you." Um, Paul is not this, you know, stern theologian uh, with those, you know, sometimes the old pictures of the old theologians. They just they don't look very happy. <laughs> Paul says that he's rejoicing over the Romans. And he mentions Timothy, and Lucius, and Jason, and Sosipater, and Tertius, Gaius, Erastus, and Cordus. They're all rejoicing over the Romans, too. These are the the friends in the fight that we have. And these who are in Corinth have heard about the obedience, have heard about the choices that the Christians in Rome are making. And it brings them joy. Our obedience matters our choosing righteousness over sin matters. We're saved by faith alone. We're saved not by our works, not by our self-righteousness, but we're actually saved by the works of Jesus and by his righteousness. So we're faith, saved by faith alone in Jesus, but as the formula goes, our, a, a saving faith does not remain alone. It shows itself, it bears fruit, as we've been memorizing in John 15, as we abide in the vine and Jesus, we're going to bear much fruit, and we're going to keep the Father's commandments, uh, and Jesus is going to put his joy in us. Those are all the themes out of John 15. So think about it this way, your obedience and my obedience matter, and what's at stake is not only God's glory, and you know vertically, how does he feel about our obedience, but even Horizontally. How does our obedience or lack of obedience affect one another? Because nobody sins in isolation. You and I don't sin, and it doesn't affect other people. Even if you're alone, even if there's no one around you, when you choose you know, unrighteousness, it affects you in such a way that then the next interaction you have with some other person, uh, brother or sister in Christ, or somebody who's not, your attitude isn't going to be what it should be when you're relating to them. You're not as loving as you could be. You're hardened, you're shameful, you're you know, angry or sad or whatever. Instead of uh, what happens when we choose what is righteous uh, and how that blesses us and it helps us be more loving and you know, a better friend, better family member, uh, better worker, whatever the case may be. So no one sins in isolation and your obedience isn't arbitrary. Even if you're alone when you choose to obey, that obedience has a positive effect. The next interaction you have with somebody, you know, I, lo- I love that it matters. I love that Paul reminds us that it matters. Um, that that he rejoices over the Romans and um, their obedience. The rest of these folks who Paul mentions presumably share that joy. And I want to ask you, who rejoices over your obedience? Who who cares? whether or not you choose righteousness or whether or not you choose sin? Does it matter to anybody around you? The answer is yes, it does. They may not express it those directly and, and as uh, helpfully as Paul does. I rejoice every year of It's really nice for people to say that. You and I could be you know, more intentional about saying that when people do well, blessing them rather than just complaining about the things that you don't like Rejoice in the things that you do like. And furthermore, uh, think, about, uh, think about righteousness as spiritual sobriety. Every time you choose what is good, what is holy, what is righteous and excellent and praiseworthy, you're, you're, you're living a sober spirituality. And every time you and I choose what's not excellent, praiseworthy, good, um, and, and righteous, uh, we're falling off the wagon. You know, there's, um, when you go to an AA meeting, uh, it matters whether or not everybody in that group has stayed sober during the week. And that group is there to support those who fall off the wagon during that week, and they're going to say, hey, we're we're here here for you. We're going to walk with you if you fall off. But they're far more encouraged when somebody continues week after week, month after month, year after year, choosing sobriety. It blesses the group. And our obedience is spiritual sobriety. It matters whether or not you and I obey. Uh, And it's going to bring joy to those around us. But vertically, what happens? What happens between you and God? You and I can't, you know, do the Christian life alone. We need cheerleaders around us. And we also have to remember we've got to be vigilant and watchful, not just for the our enemies, but we've got to be mindful of what is fundamentally invisible to the world, and that's, that's the, the blessing of God. We've got to be listening for it. We've got to be paying attention for it. We've got to be reading about it. Um, and a lot of times we miss it. We forget the gospel. We're sort of blind to it. We're, we're thinking about the next thing. We're busy or whatever, but how many of you have noticed uh, in the past, uh, how many of you noticed the, the new sign out front on the road? I see a good number of hands, but I'm guessing you know, that you're not, <laughs> not going to ask you to raise your hand if you haven't noticed it, but it's easy to miss. If you have missed it, you're, it's fine, you know, I, I totally understand, but it's been out there for three weeks, just so you know. You've driven past it for three weeks if you've been here the past three Sundays, and it's so easy for us to miss what's obvious. It's so easy for us to miss the blessing of God. It's so easy for us to forget that Jesus really does rejoice over you. He really loves you. And the Bible compares him to a bridegroom gushing over his bride. He really is happy with you. He's happy when you obey. It matters to him. And he's happy, listen, He rejoices not only in the obedience that looks like faithfulness, but Jesus also rejoices over the obedience that looks like repentance when you and I blow it. Don't get into this rut where you think, oh, I've sinned, I've messed up, I've I've fallen off the wagon, whatever, and God is angry at me. Jesus is frowning at me. The only thing that ultimately, eternally earns the displeasure of God is not falling off the wagon, it's not repenting. And Jesus rejoices whenever somebody who's lost, whether it's for a moment or whether it's for many years of, of a moment, when they come back, when they come back to the Father's house. The Father rejoices over you. Um, It matters to him whether we choose what is good or whether we choose uh, what is evil. He doesn't want us to choose what is evil. He rejoices. He smiles. He promises that he sees what is done in secret. And and there's even the language of reward that Jesus talks about. It matters to the Father whether or not you and I obey. And he also rejoices when you and I have the obedience of repentance. And the Holy Spirit since we're thinking about Pentecost Sunday as well, the Holy Spirit rejoices over you. You probably are aware there's this part where Paul says, hey, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Well, if it's possible for our disobedience to grieve the Holy Spirit, then what does our obedience do? It makes the Holy Spirit rejoice. He rejoices with us, and he rejoices over our repentance. So don't just think that God rejoices when you're a good boy or a good girl. Certainly that matters, certainly that's better. But even when we sin, even when we fall off the wagon, even when we are victims of our naivete, when we just get our, our, our hearts become hard, even in those moments where we recognize I am no longer clean, you come back to that group, the confession, and you say, I've sinned, and you repent and God rejoices over us. Zephaniah 3, one of the prophets reminds us that the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love, and he will exult over you with loud singing. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the joy that you have in us uh, through the gospel. Thank you that you provided a way to turn aside your, um, your good and righteous and just anger for sin so that that would be poured out on the cross instead of us. So that as our Creator and as our Redeemer and as our Father, you would instead smile on us because of Jesus. Lord, would you help us to continue to have faith that your joy in us ultimately depends on, on you, not on us that you love us and that you have given your son for us. Pray for our, our church, that you would help us to be governed by this gospel, to be vigilant and wise as to what is good and innocent.